Welcome to episode 75 of the Catching Up Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Kaysen. I'm joined every single week by my friend, Nick Hughes. And this week is just a crazy week in Seattle. We had multiple shootings that really highlighted the, the news cycle and a lot of the discussion happening around the city. We also unveiled that in our uh, election coming up here in February, the residents of King County, almost 1.2 million people, will be able to vote using their smartphone. So Nick and I have a a nice little 20-minute discussion about some of these aspects that uh, directly affect us here in Seattle. Thank you very much for listening to our show. I hope you enjoy episode 75 of the Catching Up Podcast. Hey, Nick. Happy Friday. What's going on? How you doing, Connor? I am fantastic. It's been quite a crazy week here in seattle i feel like yeah tell me about it man i kind of caught i caught some wind and some stuff but let's catch up man yeah well i mean the the first thing and the news that everyone's talking about is are the three shootings that happened all in one week like within just a couple blocks of each other in downtown seattle which uh this happened on when two of the shootings were on wednesday uh, and the other one was on Tuesday and it shut the whole city down on Wednesday evening. And it was pretty crazy of what was going on. Uber and Lyft prices jumped to like a hundred bucks to go from downtown up to, uh, Green Lake. And yeah, people were, you know, up in arms about how Uber was taking advantage of the situation and there's plenty of people complaining obviously about all the political situations about what caused the problem and people were jumping to conclusions about oh this is a homeless problem this is a drug problem this is a gun problem this is a gang problem um and then the news came out yesterday of who the two uh still suspects who have not been found yet and well and shooters um who got in a disagreement on third and pine on Wednesday, they have a combined of over 60 arrests. They're only, and they're both only 24 years old. And so it's just been wild to see all the different discussions because 60 arrests by the time two people are 24, that's a lot of arrests, right? So I don't know how many of those happened in their teen years, but if you were to say all those arrests happened in the last six years from after they turned uh, 18 years old, that would be 30. So that's what 30 arrests each on average over six years. That's five arrests a year, right? You're getting arrested every 60 days, uh, which is just absolutely uh pretty despicable in in my opinion and and uh i think that's a big not necessarily a big reflection on police but rehabilitation within jails and providing people opportunities to get better a lot of times yeah they get in trouble they get arrested they get charged uh they might serve some time and then they get out and it's all over and they just go right back to, to what and so it, it's just been a wild time to be information come out and i'm sitting on all these groups and seeing everyone argue about what the reason is and what the solution are and of course everyone just wants to trash on city council and government and the police and what they're doing but these are these are just huge problems 
that aren't yeah. solved with simple single-minded solutions either, right? These are big systemic issues that eight people on a city council are never going to be able to fix. They're just a lot of factors and levels to disorganization and incompetency that's that's creating the situation. So yeah, it was just a very wild to have that go on and see kind of what's going on. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, violence is never the answer. Dude, that's crazy. Where were uh, you when I that happened? Out on Tuesday, I was at home on that shooting. And then uh, both shootings on Wednesday, I was down in Columbia City and actually avoided a lot of the situation because uh, – and the crazy Uber and Lyft fees because I was far enough south. And even though I was coming into downtown, uh, I think I, my – uber ride that i ended up taking ended up being a few dollars cheaper than it normally is i think normally the rate's like it's probably around 25 and it cost me 21 dollars to to get home that night um but it was weird and and i just thought whenever these things happen and this is this is what's been created by the internet is there's just a lot of people who make quick decisions and are very quick to voice most likely their disappointment right like immediately right someone screenshots right there's an active shooter in downtown so that means you know there's hundreds of thousands of people who are panicked who are either rushing to get home or trying to figure out ways to move around the city so if you if you know 25,000 people mm-hmm. simultaneously all open the Uber and Lyft apps, the algorithm is naturally just going to raise the price because the demand's so high. And to, uh, I just saw so many tweets that were shunning Uber and Lyft about them taking advantage of a, um, a mass shooting. And it was like, Uber and Lyft don't have the capacity, especially shootings happen every day in this country now mm-hmm. and they just don't have the capacity to on a dime go oh we need to adjust the algorithm and how we're charging people in seattle right like it's just a formula oh twenty thousand people logged on all these people need rides demand goes up then we raise the price mm-hmm. um and so yeah just showed how how a lot of people are very quick to uh get into judgment before really thinking about the situation and and yeah, I was looking to place blame. So was this, uh, like you said, much more to people that have beef or whatever versus like it, you know any sort of terrorist or school shooting or anything like that? Yes, it it was just a. a this is all speculation, but I've I've spent lots and lots of time caught hundreds, if not thousands, of buses from that third and pine to third and bell corridor. And it's just a sketchy area. I mean, I heard years ago, they don't call it in a lot of offices there. They don't call it third and pine. They call it third and crime. And it's right there at at Westlake station. It's a easy hub to, if, I mean, I've seen people deal drugs to people standing on the bus, The, the bus door opens and things get passed through. Um, so it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. You, it's hard to police that, right? Like you can't catch every little drug dealer and a lot of times those aren't the problem. So, I mean, it, there was probably some type of transaction happening 
between two people and there isn't a disagreement and I'm sure it just turned from an argument to a fight. And obviously these kids have a track record of violence in some type of way. And so, yeah, someone decided to pull out a gun and shoot another person so shot. What, uh, what happened with, cause there was like, you said three, I saw two different shootings, but there's three. So what, what was all that involved? Um, so the actually the other two, have kind of, I think, got swept under the rug. There was one on Tuesday, which was probably like two blocks away from the big one on Wednesday. And that happened at the Wells Fargo building right by Buffalo Wild Wings. And I haven't heard too, I haven't heard anything about who that was. And then there wow. was another police involved shooting on Third and Blanchard earlier on the day on Wednesday. And uh, I haven't heard – I mean, it, it just all got covered up by this other shooting that kind of took the country by side. I mean, it was trending nationally on Twitter uh, for the whole evening and into yesterday, which was uh, kind of crazy. And so I don't know too much about the other two. Uh, I've really only seen all the details about the bigger one. reason being is the bigger one, there were seven people shot. Um, of those seven people, one of them has been arrested – and then there's two other suspects who are still on the loose. Uh, but I think two Amazon employees were shot. There was a nine-year-old child who was shot. Um, yeah, it was just a, a very messy situation. Man. Yeah, so where have you been this Man, week? Well, uh, I leave for a week and look what happens. Uh, I'm down in Phoenix. Uh, just um, spending some time down here. And we had our uh, Founders Live event last night here in phoenix it was great um at galvanize so uh they're a big supporter and partner down here in phoenix and um it was it was great man and you know look the winner was kind of a special night the winner actually all the pitches were great but the winner was um i cannot i i forget exactly the name uh but they are creating a new uh, intelligent, kind of AI, smart, driven way to detect cancer, cancerous cells. It's pre, it's kind of like pre, um, pre-diagnosis, if you will, or like you know, just um, you know, in in uh, in in the, in the way that you can actually predict it or uh, very much uh, catch it early. And it was great, and it was touching, you know, given my dad and my situation, and so it was just a, it was a great. Great event and really impressed. Like, great. All and so, what's the what's the startup so. community like down there in Arizona? Yeah, it's good. It's it's smaller than Seattle, but it's it's growing, and you know, it's it's one of those where it's it's sizable enough to have a good activity, but not big enough. So everyone, you know, everyone knows each other, and they're helping out, and you know, that like you know, a number of people would tell me like it's uh, a lot of like everyone just really likes to help each other and, you know, help out. And it's just, it's just big enough to have activity, but not too big so that like uh, people don't know who you are and like question you and all that. So um, it's a great community here. And um, yeah, that's really, awesome. Really that, I mean, uh, it's just crazy to see how many communities, not only founders life has built, but just in general, how many cities have kind of come together in the name of entrepreneurship and, and how many 
whether big or small, how many people have come together and created these support systems all around the country and all around the world to raise up, you know, in the name of entrepreneurship and help each other. What, what do you think has been the attribute that has created this environment all over? I think that's a good question. Um, I think it's, I think it has something to do with just uh, the, well, look, I, I think it's, it's worth mentioning that when you look at technologies like Amazon, AWS, uh, Google, with Google Cloud, Microsoft with Azure, they've created an ability and environment to, even just those technologies have helped um, developers to more quickly and easily um, develop and have storage and, you know, cheap, you're not having to buy your own racks of servers. So when you look at how easily it can be to, if you're in some random city and country in Europe or whatever, or even, you know, some city in the United States, you can, you can build things. And because you don't have to have an office that has servers and all that stuff. So, uh, I think that that's part of it for sure is, and I think it's, it's, worth you know it's worth talking about and, and acknowledging that you know those three companies specifically but of course there's a lot of others that have really helped drive the innovation and the ability for people anywhere in the world to build things and then have storage that's in the cloud yeah and not have to worry yeah, about so just the scalability all of all the services the price has significantly dropped. So it's just a lot more obtainable for a lot of people. And I assume uh, with the scale of the internet, I think just a lot more business types have been created and different opportunities, right? Because now with the gig economy and the opportunity to make a small amount of, you know, the side hustle money where you can take a year or two years or even something like a month to start something and kind of have it be small, build on it, iterate, keep trying, figure out a way to make money. And then eventually, you know, it gets to a point where maybe you're making a thousand dollars a month, which over a year, uh, 12 grand makes a big difference in a lot of people's lives. And then it can grow from there. And it just like creates uh, more opportunity for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. You know, I'm, it's funny. My job now is like a geography test because <laughs> I'll get these, you know, like, um, so I'm totally going to butcher the country, but it's, um, Baku is the capital of, um, Azure- Azerbaijan. Yeah, yeah. Azerbaijan. Um, yeah. And you know, that's over, you know, it's actually like right in, you know, at the time it was part of, um, yep. USSR and the Soviet Union and now it's its own country and you know we're, we're going to launch there I mean the people have like reached out to me and uh, it kind of came through London and all that stuff but it's like whoa Baku like did not know that and you know so it's crazy that on a month pretty much every month it's like a new city that I'm learning that is like millions of people and you wow, know they're gonna launch down at some point in time so that's pretty cool uh, yeah, small. The, yeah the only way yeah. that i even know about azerbaijan is uh 
they the I think the airline there sponsors uh Atletico Madrid, which is a pretty big soccer team, and that's and I've always wondered. It took I mean it took me years yeah. of seeing the sponsorship on their jersey to finally be like, what is that? And then realizing, oh, it's a country, and uh, so it's promoting tourism to there. Well. Um, I know we kind of got into this whole Seattle thing. The one topic I want to talk about here to end the episode was uh, this week we announced our, our city came out and it was reported by NPR and the Seattle area voters are going to be able to vote by smartphone for the first time in any U.S. election, um, which there's all these arguments for and against, uh, but we're set to become – the first were every ballot. So they think it's up to 1.2 million eligible voters could vote in the election, uh, not the presidential election. There's an election before that for all you uh, King County people here on February 11th. I don't even know what we're voting on. I haven't received my, my booklet yet, so I'm not educated on what the we're voting on. But we will have an opportunity to looks like uh, log in to some website, type in our date of birth. And what they do is they match your signature based off your history of when you registered. And then, so you submit, you sign on your phone and then they match your signature with your signature on the database. And then they're physically going to print out all of the smartphone submissions and then count all those votes. Yeah. And it's pretty shocking to me. And this is all for a push to get voter turnout. Right. And I think in Washington, we're one of the most uh, progressive cities when it comes to making voting as easy as possible. I mean, at least here in King County, they mail you the ballot and the booklet. You fill it out. It's pre-posted. Um, so you can just drop it in a mailbox or drop it in one of the ballot boxes and get it back. They make it almost as easy as possible uh, to, to vote. And so they're hoping that now on smartphones, because they think that everyone needs to do everything on their phone now, that this is going to, what they say is a fundamentally transform how we do democracy. And this is all set up by uh, Bradley Tusk. He's the CEO of Tusk Philanthropies, and it's a nonprofit that's been uh, funding this pilot. And they've done it in a few other cities. And uh, with mild success, I also saw an article that in D.C. in 2010, they tried to do something similar, but uh, it it was a big failure. And so, Nick, my question to you for the episode is, uh, would you vote with your smartphone? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I would, man. About time. I think it's, it's so about time. And, you know, I think. Me personally, you know, I can be honest and say I haven't voted in the past in some of these elections just because it's laborious and it's like it's kind of annoying and, you know, dealing with the paper stuff and having to kind of follow these processes. And if you could do it on your phone and it's it's legal and registered. See, yeah, I absolutely. completely disagree. Um, and 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 I. Uh, a big advocate of voting my my big thing is especially on the internet everyone's out here complaining and you're not you're not a very uh political commentator at all and definitely not a complainer and so i don't think this necessarily appeals to you but i get so pissed at people who complain on the internet about whatever political issue you want to talk about whether that's homelessness city council gun rights uh voting rights whatever it is but if you don't vote 
then you really don't have much of an opinion because you're not doing the kind of the first step to being helpful in solving some of these problems. But that only relates to if you're out there complaining about doing it. I don't have a problem. I understand why people don't vote. It is laborious and it takes a lot of time and you got to read it. And that's where I, there's two aspects on why I kind of disagree with this whole rolling this out. First, my biggest issue is I just don't trust that the government can do this in a secure way. They have not done a single thing technology wise that proves to me that they can create a 100% secure online platform, right? Um, Everybody's been hacked, right? The biggest tech companies in the world with the smartest engineers working on all of these problems get hacked all of the time and constantly have vulnerabilities and updates. And then we see how expensive all these programs are. And I just know that to fight the cybersecurity of a website that is really the cornerstone of our democracy on how people vote, they're just, that's either going to cost billions of dollars for us to manage that or, or it's going to be a huge risk. So, so the security vulnerability is a really big concern of mine. Um, Just more so it being government. And then the second thing is I just don't think like the, Filling out the bubbles and dropping it in the mailbox, I don't think is the thing that's keeping people from voting. I Doing the research and reading the booklet is the hard part, right? Like understanding who I'm voting for, right? And, and I don't necessarily have a problem with someone who's like, oh, I'm not going to vote because I don't want to take the time to read all this and do the research on all the candidates and everything because I'm not informed about who these people are. I don't actually really have a big problem with that, but I know like my voting routine is obviously I'm constantly reading articles and reading up on things and, and doing this research, but I go to dinner, I have my voting packet and my pamphlet and I read the whole freaking book while I'm at dinner. And then I try to make an educated vote based off, kind of all of those criteria but it does it takes a long time for me to do and that's not super fun and those are still the things that are preventing people from actually voting i don't think if if you have your smartphone yeah it's easy but you still gotta log in you gotta do your password you gotta remember your password you gotta match your signature there's all of those same difficulties and then uh, where the same difficult i mean i would say those are parallel difficulties as it is to get a pen, write your name, fill in the bubbles, and return it to a mailbox. But doing the research and reading yeah. about all the candidates and all the policies and all the decisions and the effects are really the difficult part uh, of the voting process. And so I don't think this really solves the real problem of what's going on here. Yeah, I, I totally see your point. I think uh, I, w- I would just add you know, it does have to come to the 21st century at some point. And so how are they going to do that? I think that that's why they're testing on the city level. Like there's, and actually I'm, I'm familiar with uh, Tusk. Um, if you know, he was actually uh, one of the early, he was an early investor in Uber because he actually, uh, he, his investment, I'm using air quotes, 
where it's helping them navigate like the government. Oh, interesting. All the city government issues back in the day. Yeah. So, you know, he, he made hundreds of millions of dollars off Uber uh, when they went public. And now he is, he has, his whole fund is really about these sort of directions and um hey at least he's taking his uber money and trying to do good with it you know like because i do think this is a admirable at least attempt uh or investment in trying to uh bring democracy forward and provide benefits i don't think there's anything malicious this is like hey i have all this money and i'm gonna spend it on something that hopefully will benefit society with good intentions and, and get us to um, a better place to increase voter turnout. So, yeah, I do think that his intentions are pretty admirable. Um, I'm just not confident that we can execute it the right way. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be a shit show. You know, like, it's one thing to have the idea. It's a second thing to, like, actually uh, execute it and, and have it be accurate and, and all that. So we'll see. But, hey, like, I give props to Seattle for – yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see how this turns out and it's it'll be interesting that we have a kind of almost an experimental round to happen in february and i'm curious to see when the big november election comes around uh are they going to implement it or not because getting voter turnout in a presidential election isn't as difficult as some of these other ones well that concludes oh that concludes Um, the show but what else you got for uh, us yeah i was I was going to say, man, stay safe. And, uh, uh, you know, I, when I saw that shooting, like, dude, yeah. How many times have I stood on that corner as well? And so, um, not to say that I think Seattle is a, you know, very dangerous city, but stay safe, man. There's not much that you can do to avoid a situation like that. Uh, especially now in 2020, like gun violence is a normalized thing. It, it, is going to affect everybody's life in some way or another. And so, you know, some, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time is, is mostly just down to bad luck. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about being scared to go downtown yeah. and spend every day downtown. And I think I have the privilege of being a rather uh, larger white male, which definitely has its benefits when it comes to security down there. Uh, but for the mm-hmm. most part, I've always felt relatively safe in the city on public transportation. And uh, I, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, but it it's not going to change too much of how I operate in, in downtown. Right. If, if you happen to be there, that's just really bad luck. And yeah. that's super unfortunate. And I hope to never be in that situation. And I feel bad for or terrible for anyone who gets caught in that kind of situation. Um, but, you, but you also can't live your life in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, no. you got anything? Uh, well, good, good to talk with you, man. Down in Arizona for. I come back on Monday, and then we have a great week. Uh, we have Founders Live in Seattle on next awesome. Thursday, so the thirtieth. Well, uh, I will see you next week. That. I'm looking forward to it, and enjoy uh, the rest of your time down there. And we'll talk to you soon.